Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, Brazos Valley. Good morning, Central Texas. And good morning, Palestine. Very appropriate that we have a station in Palestine. As you know, I like to refer to y'all as the Holy Land of Texas. And we're going to be going to the Holy Land figuratively and in our minds and in our conversation in the second part of the program. This is Thaddeus Romancy, the general manager of Red Sea Catholic Radio and the station director here in Bryan College Station. And I am going to be with a great volunteer of ours and a host of Red Sea Roundup on the second week of the month, Mr. Gene Wilhelm. Good morning. And we're going to be talking about gardening, farming, and the Bible. And you know, Gene is our resident volunteer green thumb here at Red Sea Catholic Radio. And so, if you want to get some gardening tips, if you want to get some advice on your roses, he's helped me with that. If you want to get some some thoughts on how to green up your lawn, he's helped me do that. Call in 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And Mr. Wilhelm will get you taken care of. Got a lot of good advice, a lot of knowledge, but he's going to be applying that knowledge to some famous parables of our Lord, parables that you know very well, and looking at them and and giving you some thoughts that maybe you have not, uh, some angles on them that you have not considered before. And he's also going to share how they have, this understanding has developed over time in his life. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to this for a number of weeks now, but but we're not quite there yet. We're not going to get there yet. We need to throw it over to my main man, Mr. Dennis Mock, Good our president. morning, Thaddeus. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Yeah, it, and comparatively, I, I don't know specifically how green of a thumb Gene has, but compared to me, you know, it's, it's a... It's a nice Kelly green. It's a Kelly green. Yeah. Mine's a... Mine's about a yellow... Kind of yellowish green. Yeah, yellow. Add more iron <laughs> and <Yeah>. sulfur. <laughs> yellow's yellow's your color, I guess, and mine's more of a a tan thumb. You know, so it. I, I do what I can, but uh, you got that mushroom manure though. That's that's been good for your garden, though, it, hasn't it? It's been real pretty. It's been growing very very nicely. Uh, whether it uh, produces great great fruit, we'll see. You know, tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and all those things that we've planted and we shall see. So I know my wife Darby is listening. But no matter how intently. much nutrients you put in the in the garden and how much, you know, fertilizer, you know, it's the gardener the gardener's skill really has a lot to do with it too. Hence why my garden never seems to do so well. <laughs> <And> likewise. Likewise <laughs> yeah. mine. Well, you know, we try. And every year I, I go <clears throat> That that's it. No more. This is going to become grass, and every year I try again. But it's it's a hobby. What the plants are pretty, and we've got a really really pretty ornamental banana tree growing in the front of our our 
yard in a, a nice big pot, and I don't care if it ever gives me a banana. It looks really pretty. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but thanks be to God for all things green because it's pretty dry up north in the northern parts of Texas. We've had good rain in the central and uh, southern Brazos Valley. I know East Texas has been pretty good too. But, so. but speaking of rain, we're uh, you're you're on here this morning because we need our listeners and our benefactors to make it rain for yeah, Red Sea, right? We do, we do, we do. We have been running spots on the air for about the past month about our monthly need for our to catch up on our monthly operational costs as we expand out to uh, to Waco, and we've been there for a year and a half now. The costs come with that, and so with that, we get new listeners, and with new listeners come new donors, and so we're calling on all people to be new and even currently, uh, current monthly donors to consider what they give to Red Sea Catholic Radio. If you're not giving anything to Red Sea, uh, we want you to consider doing that now because it has been very holy and very positive talk radio for Central Texas, for the Brazos Valley. Um had had some amazing stories of people that have really considered and honored the Catholic faith who are not Catholic, and those who are Catholic are learning a whole lot more about their faith. So it's been a tremendous medium of the Holy Spirit in each of our markets, and we, we thank those who give monthly, and we ask those who are not giving monthly to please consider doing so. And you know, my, my, my children are playing uh, baseball and softball this spring, and I was just speaking with uh, one of the moms yeah. the, a couple weeks ago at a baseball game, one of the baseball games, and I, you know, mentioned what I what I do, and she said, "Oh, I'm we it's, go to a little Baptist country church right. near Madisonville. I listen all the time. I love it. I love Red Sea." Yeah, and she said because it's a place where people speak civilly to one another, even if they're of different beliefs. Right. And she loves it when, uh, she loves listening to Catholic Answers Live when the um, they have their special forums for non-Catholic listeners, for example. But yes. she loves the civility, the calm demeanor, the, 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 the peace that you, you have when you, when you listen. It's right. not shock radio. It's not trash radio. It's not there to, you know, excite your emotions and get you angry. Well, it treats people with human dignity, like all people should, no matter what their beliefs, no matter what their behavior, for that matter. We all deserve human respect, and Catholic Radio can do that. And specifically, Red Sea Catholic Radio can do that in our area. So so if you're you're thinking about, what can I do to heal the culture? What, what, you know, I'm one person. How can I make an impact on making the environment and the level of conversation in yeah. our society better, you can do that by supporting Catholic Radio. You, you can, and te- I will let you know, unless we let you know there's a need, we won't be able to get the funding. So I'm telling you now there is a need, because although we've, we've in the past month, we announced that we had a $3,500 shortfall over the past 30 days, we've decreased that by 500. But guess what, folks? We still have a $3,000 per month shortfall. And so any surpluses that we at one time had to help bring the station to Waco, they're now being depleted and, and they're at the very lo- lowest they've ever been. So we're asking you very genuinely and very humbly, honestly, I, I hate asking for money, but if it's for God, 
I'm glad to do that because I want... It's the nature of what we do, so it we, is, can, we can't it get is. around it. And I will let you know that we, as Red Sea, don't do a radiothon. Uh, Relevant Radio does theirs four times a year, and as, a, uh, as, as Thaddeus mentioned in our spots, as a benefit for us carrying their station for free, we get to play their radiothon, but we also get half of their funds locally that they raise through their radiothon. So that's very a nice, very nice arrangement, but that still does not include and in, in factor into the three thousand dollar shortfall that we're currently experiencing. So right now it's month to month and we pray that you consider uh, giving a one time if you can only give a one time of any amount, but monthlies are something that we need to predict our income and to budget and keep moving forward. And other areas are calling, but uh, right now we kind of have to be frozen until we take care of what God has given us today. So, and that would be Central Texas, and that would be the Brazos Valley, and that would be Palestine. So give from your heart if you can at redcradio.org. That's red, the letter C, radio.org. Click on that donate button, and you can click a monthly recurring, and you can help us out. So without uh, going too much further into that, if you're listening and you find value in Red Sea Catholic Radio, and trust me, there are quite a few testimonies that we've gotten Catholics and non-Catholics alike that are listening every single day because they can and they they love what we provide. Uh, give now because it really does help us. And now is a very critical time. As, as you can imagine, your donation now will be very, very impactful immediately for our network. So thank you all for listening. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Central Texas— little bit different sound coming on to the beginning of uh, Red Sea Roundup this morning, Dennis. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the background to those. Well, it, if you listen bumpers. to last week's Red Sea Roundup show, and it's on the podcast, if you want to go there to our Red Sea Radio app, uh, you can listen to that podcast of Kyle Sincouli, who was a uh, interviewed last week on our show. Kyle is a local, Central Texas local Catholic musician, uh, his family has been very supportive of the radio, so we thank the Sincouli family as well. Here, here. Um, but he's just incredibly talented, and so everything that Roundup is is local. And so when you get people like me, the y- local yokel that's coming on, you might not be getting the best high quality that you're getting from, say, Patrick Madrid or Drew Mariani, but you know what? We live here. We know you. We, we're local to your community. Kyle is an amazing artist. We're just so blessed to have someone incredibly talented who's open for people like um, Matt Marr, and he's he's moving mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. and he's very dedicated to his faith. And so he's got a, a great sound that's very unique in the Christian uh, genre. And so I've always wanted to use that word, genre. Makes you, me... you used it very well. It was a very nice pronunciation Thank of you. that word. Thank you. I just want my kids to know I'm not all redneck. Yeah, they don't think that you are. No, not, they, they, not all redneck, not completely. It's pretty pretty high numbers there. <laughs> Anyways, he's a great, great country field in that Christian <laughs> You're genre. not a good enough gardener to be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is where I sign out, folks. And, and that's why I said yellow is your color, your yellow thumb. So. Um. Yellow belly. So, so um, yeah, Kyle Sincouli, thank you so much for allowing us to use yes. your music as bumpers. We've graduated from the previous bumper music to something that's a little. This bit was t- more... this was hard for Dennis to give up on. No, I wasn't. It was it was time. You know, he had to give up his uh, his Van Halen, but it's, it's time. It's okay. It's time. They served us well for a long time because gave us a lot of energy, and we're looking forward to many years now with with Kyle being. Kyle our, is amazing. So our yeah. bumpers for Red Sea Roundup. So Kyle Sincouli music. Thank, thank you, you very much.
Yeah. So, and I believe that one that we started with, I am, I think, is the opening bumper. He said he wrote that when he was 15. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> He's talented. He would look for more great things to come from. I wasn't doing that when from, I was 15. From our friend Kyle. So, thank you again, Kyle, for your generosity. We have a few more minutes on the this first part of the show before we go to our special guest, Mr. Gene Wilhelm. But my uh, liturgical calendar is saying that today is the feast day of St. Joan of Arc, the great French saint, the great French woman who was a put on the armor of the knight and led her uh, her country to defeat the uh, English during the one phase of the 100 Years' War. Um, and I came across a wonderful uh, quote from her, uh, probably comes from the transcripts of the, uh, the trial, which are, which are available to us. But these are some of her actual words. It's a very short quote, something to, to meditate on, something to keep in your heart today. This is from St. Joan of Arc. I would rather die than do something which I know to be a sin or to be against God's will. I would rather die than do something which I know to be a sin or to be against God's will. And that brings me back to the famous uh, thing that uh, the late Kathy Clock said repeatedly while she was going through her sickness recently. She said, whatever God wants, and I think she was quoting St. Gianamola. So there's there's all those wonderful Catholic women there in our lives who remind us that uh, well they kind of challenge us are we are we willing to to live to that to that degree to do whatever whatever God wants and to even die rather than sin or go against God's will some days I'm there fellas other days it's a struggle and I don't I have a weak will. But that's why we all need one another's prayers. We all need to pray for one another and be good examples for one another. And I know that I'm surrounded by a lot of good good examples in this Red Sea radio yes, community that, that help me be a better person. And you know one thing you live mentioned— Live more closely to his will. You mentioned prayer. Um, we were talking pretty heavily about donate to Red Sea. If you don't have a lot of money, your prayers are— an amazing, amazing benefit to us. And even if you do have money. I was just going to say, and even if when you do have money, that's pray. not a substitute for prayer. It is not. Please pray for the radio station and pray for God's will to be done on on everything that we do here at Red Sea. So, and, and um, speaking, can I mention somebody else that needs Please prayer? Please do, yes. My rotten eldest son, Anthony Maka. You're rot? He's rotten, rotten. now? Yeah, he's texting me saying, yes, you are redneck. So at least he's listening. I give him that. <laughs> Ouch. So I'm going to call him out on the air, Anthony Maka. He needs your prayers because he's going up to uh, North Dakota, North, North, North Dakota, to uh, be a missionary. Almost Canadian. For the he's going to almost be Canadian. Ten minutes from being Canadian. So he's going to bring a little southern redneck up to the northern part of our country. A check. He's going to give him a checkup. No, he's more redneck than I am. Anyways, um, he's going to be a missionary for a summer camp and an Indian reservation in Belmont, Belcourt, sorry, Belcourt, North Dakota, with the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. So just keep him in prayers as he makes that 1,500-mile drive over the next few, uh, the next week. So That's going to be exciting. Yeah. So haven't done an Anthony Maka update in a long time on Red Sea Roundup. So, 
and we got a lot of family in, in Central Texas, so I know a lot of wonderful Czech family members are going to keep him in in their prayers as well. Boy, I had a Czech weekend. I was down in Howitzville, Texas for the Sacred Heart Parish picnic, and boy, we had some—there was a lot of uh, auctioneering going on, a lot of, a lot of selling of uh, different donated items during the, during the church picnic. It's all a good thing. Wonderful, wonderful cause for a wonderful, probably, I mean, wonderful parish, mm-hmm. wonderful Just, community and, there. And then the weekend before that, we had the St. Anthony's Bazaar. Yeah. So, well, so that's lots that's going about, on, folks. That's about the extent of a first part of our of our program. We're going to be back on the other side now with the great, the green, Mister Gene Wilhelm talking about gardening, farming, and the Bible. And uh, we are so glad you're listening. And please stay tuned to Red Sea Roundup. Green Gene Wilhelm. Green Gene. And, and now for a little more, Kyle Carlson Cooley. Stay tuned, folks. Red Sea Roundup coming back at you. We're back on Red Sea Roundup. This is your fill-in host for the fifth Wednesday of the month. The doctor is in. Thaddeus Romanski, <laughs> your general manager, your station director here in the Brazos Valley. Welcome back, Central Texas listeners. Welcome back, Palestine. What we're going to be talking about this morning is going to be set in Palestine. Yes, that's right. We're going to hear with Mr. Gene Wilhelm talking about gardening, agriculture, and how it can really enrich our understanding of some of our Lord's most famous parables, right? Yes, yes, we will. Thank you so much, Thaddeus. I hope you haven't oversold me here today. No, sir, I, uh, that's not possible. But I'm just tickled to, to have you on and get a chance to uh, kind of flip things around on you for the second time in a month, basically, because yes. I also interviewed you about men's ministry, men's Bible study for a Catholic Community show, Showcase. Can you give people a quick... Uh, times and dates for the Bible studies again? Okay, uh, except on holiday weekends, mm-hmm. uh, there is a Bible study that's an open Bible study after the 8 o'clock Mass at St. Mary's here. So even if you're in Palestine or Waco and you happen to be down here on a Sunday and you go to 8 o'clock Mass, uh, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, we typically have donuts and coffee and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a men's Bible study on Mondays, at noon, and some men bring their lunch. They come when they can, and they don't when they can't. And they leave. They may come late and leave early. There's a lot of hot air in that Bible study, and it's not because it's during the middle of the day, right? Uh, well, there's there's a lot of frivolity. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right, great. Come by those. They are very much worth your time. I regret that I can't attend more often than I do. All right, so Gene. You're not from around here originally, just like uh, me, right? Oh, no. As a matter of fact, uh, my origin is about nine 
hours north of here by car. Okay. So tell us a little your biography, your early years, your growing up years. Did this have did that have any impact on your interest in gardening? Uh, well, I'm not sure, but my parents always had a garden, and uh, I did a lot of time pulling weeds in the garden mm-hmm. and uh, picking vegetables and helping to plant seeds and all that sort of thing. So I, I, I and I grew up. Uh, my parents both came from farming families, and uh, so I guess some of that's in my blood. Yeah. Yeah, but you lived. Did you live in town, or did you live on some land? No, we lived. We lived in town. Uh, uh, well, then we lived on the edge of town for okay. a while. And then what? You, and you're you're a Kansan. Yes, I am. And from what's your hometown? Wichita. Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Yes. And you did you attend Catholic school? Yes, up? I did. All well, twelve years of Catholic school. Yes. And your and your alma maters are what? Uh, St. Patrick's Grade School. Chaplain Capon Memorial High School, which is now Capon McDonough, and uh, my university years were spent at Wichita State University. Okay, so then you get to Wichita State University, and what did you do? What did you do there in terms of your study, your course of study? I studied hard, <laughs> <laughs> long and hard, long and hard. Uh, my major was mathematics with uh, minors in German and physics. Okay, this would have been what early nineteen sixties. You got it. Okay. Okay. So you're there early 1960s studying mathematics. Then you went, is that, did you go right on to, to Texas Instruments from there? No, I actually, out of there, I started at uh, uh, Boeing Airplane Corporation, their military aircraft division there in Wichita, uh, helping to figure out how to keep B 52s flying during the Vietnam War. Okay. And did you meet your wife at that time? No, that didn't happen until about three and a half years after I started work at Boeing when I moved to Dallas. Okay. And uh, uh, we met in Dallas uh, in the, I guess, the breezeway in front of a, an apartment that I lived in and a friend of hers filled in, lived oh. in. And then uh, uh, we both worked teaching CCD at one of the parishes in Dallas. Okay. Or the Cesari, whatever it was called at that time. That I don't sounds remember. very romantic to meet your future wife in a breezeway. I mean, that just has a certain. Oh sound yeah, to it, it. it it was very nice. I I can still remember the day. I can still oh, remember what she looked like. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, we got to hear Jim and Meredith Olson speak at the Married Couples Night yes. a couple weeks ago at St. Joe's, and they talked about how they how they met. That he, <laughs> she was working on the German desk, and he knew the girl that worked on the French desk in the uh, CIA, and uh, he basically asked the girl on the French desk about who the girl on the German desk was, and then she got—because he saw them eating lunch together, and then they got introduced, and there was a lot of detail that he filled in, and it was a lovely, lovely we story. Don't, that we don't told. have time for the detail no, of that part no, of my no. life today, or we'd never get to what the real topic is. Okay. Well, how about—did um, you— Keep up your gardening once you got out of college and started, you know, no, I, your own home. And uh, like that. I. Uh, it wasn't until after we married I tried to do gardening again. Okay. And uh, I wasn't very successful at it, to be honest with you. The the vegetable gardens, uh, and even in the first home, uh, the soil was such that uh, we had a nun friend that would come out and visit us and ask us if we were. We were raising rocks. There were just that many uh, caliche rock pieces in the in the backyard. And the caliche rock, that's going to figure in our conversation yes, a little bit. Yes, it is, bit. a little bit later. We'll come back to that. Okay, so then you, you eventually you did get to Texas because 
you, that's where you met your wife yes. in Dallas, and then you lived in Dallas for a number of years. Oh, yeah, I was I'm older than some people are, have been alive. <laughs> I mean, it's been it was a long time. Yeah, you started raising a family there. Yes, and you also got uh, drawn into a um, the charismatic renewal. Yes, and that also I think figures into to some of this. I, I would a say bit. yes because talk about that. The the when I started studying scripture. Uh, it, what one of the things that we were told is really to let the Holy Spirit speak to you as you're as you're reading and studying Scripture, and uh, there were a lot of opportunities to study and read Scripture in that group, and so that played a big part in my life. Mm-hmm. And the and the charismatic renewal is a is a movement that's that's worldwide. Yes, yes. it is. Yes, uh, it is. Lay and people, it, priests are y- a part of it. Yes, it's as a matter of fact, uh, the uh, the org- the group that we were involved in eventually became uh, one of the founding members of the part of the charismatic renewal that is like a lay prelature. So it's totally recognized mm-hmm. by the Vatican, mm-hmm. and they submit to the local bishop. So it's all. On the up and up, mm-hmm. and then you had another movement that you became involved in, if I'm remembering the biography correct, and that's the Curcio movement. Uh, that yes. was actually that actually came uh, before Mary and I really started dating. We'd met, but we hadn't really dated. So that was a predecessor to uh, to the coming involved in the charismatic renewal. But that certainly influenced your scripture reading and your uh, not as much as you would like to think. Okay, it, it, but it it opened me to the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so that. I really hadn't been very open to the Holy Spirit previous to that. Okay. Um, were you—we're going to talk about the parable of the sower Correct. and the seed today primarily, yes. and then we might talk about the parable of the um, ter- the wheat, wheat and the tares, or, the, the uh, the tares. or it's sometimes called Darnell. Um were you always really attracted to those two parables? Did those always have a certain interest for you, or is it something that's grown over time? Uh, that probably isn't one of the first scriptures that I was ever really attracted to, but uh, I have been looking at this, I know, 15, 20, maybe 25 years that I've been looking at this particular set of parables and uh, God has spoken to me through the Holy Spirit and through some analysis and types of things like that, that I have a, a deeper understanding. And when I look at Scripture, I look at it from a point of view, and I think I said this uh, during Community Showcase, what did it say to the people at the time? What has it said to people over the years? What does it say to the church today? And as a member of the church, what does it say to me? Mm-hmm. So I take—when I when I read Scripture— I try to find out what the personal application is for me. Yes, and and that is what we're going to be, I think, that'll be a big spine of what we talk about today, it, is it, how that understanding of it for your life has, has evolved yes, over time. Because what, I, what I'll be talking about today is developed over many, many years, and probably what you hear about the parable of the sower is something you've never heard before, I would think. And it's not something that you've ever seen Augustine or Jerome or anybody and probably haven't seen anywhere in print because it's a very personal thing. But I think it's something that that is worth sharing with people because I think it has application in everybody's life. Well, with that said, let's—I'm going to go ahead and read the—I'm going to read the first part of the parable of the sower. So that's Matthew 13, 3 through 9. 
and I'm going to read it from the um, revised standard version okay. that you gave me. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then we'll talk, I'll read the um, Christ's explanation of the okay. parable a little, little while later. Okay, so... Set the context for us, Gene. You said that one of the things is how the people understand it at the time. So we yes. got to understand that time and place, right? Yes, you have to understand the time and the place. And first, and and this parable was told in Galilee, which was uh, Galilee in particular, more so than Judea. But most of uh, the places where Jesus was at that time uh, was what we would take today call farmers and ranchers, mm-hmm. or and uh, rednecks. Yes, and in Galilee in particular, it, they were all rednecks. It was that was it, in terms, and I don't know what the word is today that is used, but when I was young, they would be, they would be called hillbillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they weren't. Most of them weren't very educated, and so Jesus would speak in parables to them, which are just stories to try to convey a truth that they couldn't understand if he was talking theology. Right, and so uh, in first century uh, Galilee. Uh, the, the soil and the climate were such that it took a lot of work to get it done. And we have to remember, uh, get out of our 21st century mind and think about how they did the farming. And so the farming was done there, not with, with a GPS-guided uh, uh, John Deere tractor. They didn't have a tr- plow that would plow several rows at a time. They had an ox. And they had a plow that maybe had one that had one blade on it, and it might have been metal, and it might have been wood. Exactly. I was just going to say a very good chance if they were not very of means, it was a wooden plow, yes, a wooden and, and blade. We'll, and when we get to the the, the stony ground, that, that becomes important. Right. Uh, so what they did is they they did, and they they I don't think any of them called their their ox John Deere and painted it green with yellow stripes on it or anything like Doubt, that. Doubtful. <laughs> Very doubtful. But it was everything they did, they were they made the most of the resources that they had. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the soil and the climate in Galilee at that time, and probably even today, the soil uh, was more open to sowing barley than to wheat. The wheat was a little bit more picky. And when you look, even if you look at those that you understand, and that's why it's important. And so barley and barley bread was the food of the poor. And at that point in time, 50% or more of what people ate probably was bread. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Not you, a lot of meat. Not, not a lot, lot of meat. meat. Well, they didn't, have, they, they didn't want to waste Mm-mm. the animal yeah, because it was providing it. other things. So when you look at when Jesus fed the 5,000, I think it's John's account of that, says that the little boy had five barley loaves. Right. And what that tells you is that the little boy was from a poor family. 
he wasn't from a wealthy family or it would have been wheat loaves. Certainly he wasn't giving from his excess. No, he wasn't. So they, so they grew this. So, and if you look at one of the, you have to understand the climate too, in a sense, that uh, if you look at James chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient until it receives the early rain and the late rain. Some translations say autumn rain and spring rain. They were very dependent upon these. So that they didn't have irrigation as we know it. Something I learned preparing for this conversation is that the farmers, they had to wait for that, that former rain, that first rainfall yes. in October to soften the ground yes. to, so that they could work it with those wooden plows or that yes. plow that only just maybe had an iron cap on the end of it, yes. but it was mostly a wood blade. Very true. Yeah. And uh, so they didn't. They usually didn't plant until maybe November. Right, right, right. And then the other scripture that's very important here to, to understand, uh, if you look at Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and return not thither, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and prosper in it, uh, in the thing for which I send it. So if you look at when you plant seeds, then you're doing a couple of things. You're planting for people to eat, but you keep a certain amount of it back so that you have seed to sow again next year. And if you look at how... Uh, you were having this discussion before we got on the air that if you look at all the sea, all the plants that we have today or that they had at that time, they were originally weeds. Mm-hmm. And they found – and the, somehow they, they felt men followed God's command to Adam and Eve that they were supposed to conquer the earth and basically domesticate what was out there for them. So the, the barley seed and the wheat seed were ones that – were domesticated from weeds, and those have been improved over the years today so that the, the wheat that you have today is probably not very much like the wheat that they had at the time or the barley. And today all we think barley is good for is making beer. <laughs> but it was a much – it was a very hearty kind of a, a bread that came from it, yes? Yes, it was. It had a lot of nutrients in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jesus was talking to people who were poor and almost everybody in that area at that point in time had a little vegetable garden or something so that, to supplement whatever else they had going. Mm-hmm. Now, something I learned in preparation for our conversation, if you take the parable of the sower, is that what Christ narrates here in this parable of where the seed falls and how it works is basically what happened when a, when a person— when a farmer was sowing his seed by taking it out of his uh, little bag and throwing it out with yes. his hand. Sort of like if you, if, uh, some of you, if you've got a patch in your yard that you're trying to reseed, and yeah. you may throw Bermuda seed out, you're not going to put it in any kind of a deal. You're just going to scatter it yeah. out by hand. And what's, but what's interesting about that is, this is what I love about so many of the parables. So Christ gives this story, and these people who live in this life and this climate that you've just described for us, a lot of them probably heard him tell that story, and their reaction was that it kind of probably fell flat on them. Like their reaction probably was, "So well, yeah, hello." Yes. Whereas we we say, "Well, you you look at a farmer and he's got a drill that drills the seed in the ground, and he doesn't have any of these issues." 
None of the seed gets away. If right. you're broadcasting the seed, it can go to these various places. But there's yet there's so much more meaning there that our Lord has but it's in behind this very um, plain one of the story. things one thing it also tells us uh, some of the commentators say is about the liberality of, of God and how yes, he yes. how how gracious and generous he is with us that and as we get to the this the uh, talking about this a little bit more that uh, and I will I'll just go there right now because yeah, yeah. when I originally uh, read this one of the first times that something made sense to me, I saw that maybe my life was all path, all stony ground, or all thorny ground. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the reasons I said that is because if you look at Jeremiah uh, 3, 4, and I think I've got it down here somewhere. I don't remember where it is. But yes, here it is. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none, none to quench it because of the evil of your doings. And I thought, I, I'm, I'm entangled with the world, and uh, I was fearful that God was going to burn me up, burn up my world, which is, uh, again, uh, I don't think it's a, is a uh, common now, but in the wheat fields in Kansas when I was young, uh, farmers would go and burn the stubble mm. to get to get rid of it so that they could plow more easily. But even if you burn the uh, the thorns, uh, that doesn't mean that the roots are dead. That's right, and they can come back. So I talked about thought about that, and as over time, at some point in time, I began to realize that my life had pathway in it. It had stony ground in it. Mm-hmm. It had thorny ground in it. And there was a little bit of good soil. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, as, as I progressed over this, uh, I began to see that I needed to do something about it. And uh, I concentrated on the ground in general because there were a lot of weeds and the rocks and all that stuff. And the first thing I did was in my mind, and God speaks to me frequently in images so that I can I can kind of understand uh, what the scripture says. And I saw myself digging out about six to eight inches of soil hmm. and placing it on the side in an unused portion of the field and getting all the rocks out, digging out the weeds and all that sort of stuff. And the reason for that was basically it was a minimal effort to not ensure that my plow wouldn't break on the rock. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Yeah. And uh, I came back and uh, later, and I don't know how much later, probably two, three, four years, I came back to this same image and uh, in reading this. And at that point in time, I saw myself digging down six feet of soil. Wow. And the reason for that is, even if you do it just six or eight inches, the rocks are eventually going to come back up to the surface that are below there. So I got at everything that I could, and I had all the soil over on one side. And about this time, I understood that there was some kind of a tree somewhere in the middle of this field, which was taking up nutrients and any water that was coming. And I had to get the tree out and get it out by the roots, or the tree would come back. As any of you who's chopped down this tree know that that's going to happen. So it's all 
over there on the side of the road or on the side of the field. And uh, the rocks were in one corner and all this dirt was in the other corner. And sometime then uh, I knew that I had to put the dirt back. But as I put it back, it all filled in. But I got there I got the stony ground taken care of, the good soil, and I got it all mixed up. And, and as I was putting that back in, I saw this pile of manure on the side also. Mm. My ox had been very good at making manure. <laughs> and so I had all this manure on the side, and I understood from the parable where Jesus talked about the, uh, the fig tree that wasn't bearing that the, the owner of the vineyard told the gardener to dig around the fig tree and manure the ground to make it fruitful. Okay. So I understood then that I was supposed to take this manure and dig it into the at least the top six or eight inches of soil to make it more fruit to make it more fertile. And so that happened. Uh, and the uh, did that, and then it was like well, you've got some unplowed ground over there. You need to go break this virgin soil so that it can be useful. So that was doing that and so forth and so on. And uh, can I, inter- can I interject this sure. question? Um, so where were you in your life at this point when these images were starting to come and were they, were they dreams or were they when you were meditating on scripture or how did they come? Uh, to you? That is typically uh, when I have my prayer time or whatever, or when I read a scripture, the images, my mind is just, the images break forth. It's mm. not a dream. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. in my mind. I visualize what's there and then what I think God is telling me at that point in time. And this was the visualization of what I understood God was saying, you need to apply this to your life. And this is how you apply it. Mm-hmm. You need to dig deep, get all this garbage out and go on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even uh, I don't think I don't remember when I started on the thorny area either, because that was that's another deal. You have to dig the, the thorns out by the by the roots, you may burn it off so that you don't scrape yourself. Right, it's uh, a very, very Ignatian approach, though. You know, that's something that Saint Ignatius of Loyola, the 16th century founder mm-hmm. of the Jesuits, you know, he says, try to put yourself into the gospel stories or whatever scripture you're reading. I mean, that's essentially what you're you're doing and make making that scene in your mind and really letting it kind of come to life. Yes, to to let the and that's kind of how the Holy Spirit. Uh, communicates to you, right? Yes, and like I say, it's, it's typically images, and I'm not saying they're visions. They're like no, no, no. Uh, it's it's different from visualization. Visualization of mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was doing all this stuff, and then at some point in time, uh, I saw on the side of the the field also uh, a shed with, and this is it's going to like a 20th century shed because it's it's a wooden shed with a sloped roof with a metal slope metal roof. And inside the shed, there were three rooms in the shed. Hmm. And one room had old wheat grain in it that was beginning to mold and rot, and there were a few sprouts. In the, the middle room was basically stuff like newspapers stored there. And in the third room, there was like furniture and stuff that was no longer using and uh, what God seemed to be telling me that 
you got your field prepared now. you got all this grain in here that's wasting. If you don't do something with it, it's going to be totally useless to anybody. It's not really of use to anybody right now because you got it stored. So you need to take it, and that's where you need to get your grain to uh, sow in the field. And uh, there was another image that he gave me when uh, I read, uh, is, what is it, John 12, well, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. So here I've had, in this shed, I've got grain that's wasting. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the, Jesus tells us the wheat is the Word of God. So the Word of God that he's given me, I've sort of stored off and doesn't, haven't done anything with it. I've just sort of been hoarding it. Uh, in in the uh, grain of wheat that dies, the image that I got was that I had a grain of wheat enclosed in a, in a I'm going to call it lucite. I don't know what they use today, but be lucite. It was encased in lucite, and it was a trophy for me. And that I wasn't. It was not of any value. I mean, it, it was. A, I, I was possessing it without letting it do what it was supposed to do. Right. And that that in my own life when some of the— It was an idol almost. It was an idol. Basically, yes, it was an idol. And that the purpose of the wheat was to grow. And the purpose of the growth is to bear fruit, fruit so that you have bread for the eater and seed for the sower. Right. And in, if you look at it that way, it's the, the field of my life is not bearing the fruit that God wants. And that's why you put the manure in. Uh, in, in the middle room— uh, what I understood was that was, and, and this is another thing that, that God has spoken to me as, as uh, that it's the rubble of life, the lo- rubble of your past life. It's all these things you collect yeah. that really have no value, right. absolutely no value. But if you take them out and you make a compost heap with these newspapers, for example, you have some more compost to work into the soil to make the soil more fruitful. Mm. And the stuff the the stuff in the third room are basically all those things that really I have no use for but I treasure and I hold on to that don't, that I really don't need them in my life anymore. Right. Now, the and also about this time I understood that uh, for example, God brings what I call manure into our lives when our, not, our lives need to be enriched and we need to become able to bear more and better fruit. Hmm. So when, when God allows manure to come into your life, when God allows things to happen that aren't very pleasant, do you hoard them? Do you hold on to your past hurts? Or do you allow God to turn them into something that is enriches the soil of your life so that you can bear better fruit. And it's and that I don't know whether that makes any sense to you or not because you know you it, it makes a lot of sense. And so and it's a continual process. The, it's a continual process to do all these things. You can have you can have all of the, you can have all the soil there and everything's fine, but it's a continual process. But before I go to the continual process, well, it's continual process means that your ox is going to drop droppings on your field, and he may have seeds in that. Birds may bring seeds into your field. Uh, all the all, there are all sorts of places. The wind, 
And even you, as you tramp through your field, can bring seeds that you picked up along the way. So it's a continual maintenance. So don't be surprised if weeds grow in your field after you've got it clean. It's just part of the process. So let, let's pause there for a second. Let me remind our listeners that I'm talking to Gene Wilhelm. We're talking about gardening and agriculture in the Bible and how it's revealed some meaning to him about the, the parable of the sower and the seed. If you have any questions about what we're discussing or green thumb questions too, you can call 855 855- 683-7332. That's 85. Love Red Sea. We'd love to hear from you. We've got about, oh, just five minutes left, so we can maybe take one quick phone call. Let's read the second part of that okay. parable, and then we can use that as a, a maybe a springboard to compare what you drew from the parable and with what uh, normally people hear about as an interpretation that's actually in the Scriptures. So Christ went on to explain it to his disciples. He said, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And that's important because uh, if you look at a wheat, a single grain is going to be a stock of wheat, or a, and how much is on that head? And we've got a lot more on the heads now than they did then, so a hundredfold would have been amazing. I want to go back, and I was wanting to talk a little bit about the rocky soil. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's another too. thing. Uh, we had a home one time where we were on Caliche Rock, basically the house was That's building. right. We mentioned we were going to talk about Caliche Rock. And w- one of the things that happened there that and I couldn't get it out because there was so much of it and so deep. But there was a spot in the backyard where grass would turn brown in the middle of summer. And I listened to somebody like Neil Sperry, and he said basically what's happening is the sun is coming to that spot, re- being reflected off the rock, and baking the roots from the underneath side. Mm-hmm. So when you've got that rock there, you can't get the root. That's another thing. They not only can not get the moisture – you can't put enough moisture on it, but the sun is going to bake the roots. So that's one thing. Uh, so, you know, all this soil is is there, and that's in our lives. I, God says he t- – Ezekiel 36 says he's going to remove our stony heart and give us a heart of flesh instead. So what do I do with the stones? And that, and I, that's something that's come recently to me, and that is uh, within the last year or so. That all, and I'd seen a documentary about farms in Ireland. Okay. And the farms in Ireland had all these stone fences around them, and the stone fences were made from the stones that they got out of the field when they were trying to get it ready, like this parable talks about. And it occurred to me that I needed to take these stones and make a fence around this field of myself, and to use a modern psychological term uh, that is, isn't very scriptural. 
but it is to create boundaries in my life so that people can't just tromp all over anywhere on their life, my life that they want to. And if I don't have the boundaries, then I'm going to have those footprints everywhere. And the, the idea of the, the, the stone wall also is to make sure that the pathway is wide enough for people to get down, but not minimize the amount of room that is so hard packed because of all the trotting on my life. And Let, let's go out. Let's go out on this. And it relates to a lot of what you have described about your your imagery and your your visualizations. But in all of them, God is directing you to do the, to get the rocks out of the soil, to yes. get the the weeds out of the ground, to take care of to till the good soil, to mix all it all together, to put the manure in. Um, he's asking you to do certain things that the results that are going to come from his action in your life and, and his communicating his grace to you, that's not enough by itself. You have to take action, speak on well, if you look at John chapter 15, verse 1, it says, uh, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser, and some translations say the gardener. So God is the head gardener. But it, it's, it, sometimes it's like when I was told to do the stuff at the house by my dad, I could do it. Other times uh, he would take the lead and, and I would just sort of follow along and pretend to help because I couldn't be much help. But you can't just listen to the scriptures uh, and not do anything about it. And that's why it's so important to, to when you read Scripture or something, even during the uh, Sunday Mass, what is this Scripture saying to me today? What do I need to do or not do? And right. s- sometimes it's just be quiet yeah. and listen to what God has to say. And our, our Catholic spiritual and intellectual tradition calls that cooperation with with grace. Yes, it is. We have to cooperate with the grace that God gives us, and and out of that we kind of work out our salvation in fear and trembling, as as St. Paul Uh, says. Yes, anybody who's planted a garden knows that there's a little fear and trembling. Is it going to grow? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this brings us to the end of our interview this morning. Gene, it's been really a treat. Uh, It's like I got my own little personal Bible study with you this morning, and you know, hundreds of other people got to to listen in, and I know that they profited from it. I certainly did. Um, thank you very much for all the prep work you put into it. Well, I, it's been 15 or 20 years of prep work. <laughs> well, it was certainly came to fru- fruition, no pun intended, this morning. All right, everybody, that is the end of Red Sea Roundup. Thaddeus Romanski saying, so long, get out there and work the garden Work the soil of your own life, and God will will bring fruit out of it. Cooperate with that grace. And remember, when you're trying to decide between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. <laughs>